morning. I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to, to share these things with you. Um, thanks and appreciation to our founding pastors, Larry and Janie LaFleur, and all they've done and meant here in our church and are still doing and meaning. So congratulations to them. We're in part four of a series we've been calling Living Stones. The idea is that Peter called us living stones. We're the building material that God is using to build his kingdom habitation here on this earth. And his sovereignty, God has chosen to partner with us. And so we are part of this thing. We're not spectators, we are participants, amen? And so that's what we're discovering in this series. And we're specifically looking at things that were built, things that were constructed in the Old Testament and seeing if we can find application for us today since we are the raw materials that God is building with. Because like I've said every week in this series, the Old Testament gives us physical pictures of spiritual truths. And so we're gonna look at things that happened thousands of years ago and see if they have application for us today because the word of God lasts forever. It is forever relevant. Can I hear an amen? So that last week I began talking about the tabernacle that Moses built. We talked about the, the building itself, the tabernacle. But this morning I wanna talk about the furnishings in the tabernacle. God has also instructed Moses to build furniture to go inside the tabernacle and all, the, all those pieces of furniture had a specific purpose then and I believe they have relevance to us today. So I just wanna walk through these things with you really quick. And remember that we're gonna talk about a lot of Bible symbolism as well. So those of you who like to go deep, hopefully that's a bunch of us, right? We wanna be people of the word. I wanna talk about some symbolism. And so when we, when we talk about what things were made of, what, they, what the material was that, that was used to construct them, there's relevance in that as well. So when you would have gone to the tabernacle in the... Um, in the old covenant, what you would find is there's a progression to worship. You started in one place, but you didn't stay in this one place. There was movement. There was a progression of worship in the old covenant. And so when you would have walked into the tabernacle, you would be in the outer courts. Remember we said that this was an open air place. It was open to the sky. There was just tent walls around it, but it was open. And the first piece of furniture you would have come to was called the brazen altar, brazen altar. It was constructed of bronze. Whenever you see bronze in scripture, bronze symbolizes judgment. So the brazen altar was a place of judgment. It was this altar that was, that was made of bronze and, and it had to do with judgment. When we judge ourselves against the law of God, every person on the planet receives the verdict of guilty. The Bible is clear about that, amen? We are all guilty. And so when we are judged against the law of God, I'm guilty. And because the word tells us that where there's sin, there has to be the shedding of blood. So because there is guilt there, then a sacrifice has to be made there. So there's a sacrifice made at the brazen altar. That's where the sacrificial animals died. Why? Because there was guilt, there had to be sacrifice. So the brazen altar was that place where something was found guilty and something died. Next, you would progress to what's called the brazen laver. 
Again, it was made of bronze, so it's also a place of judgment. I picture this like a bird bath. How many of you have seen a bird bath? Imagine a bronze bird bath. Because it was made of bronze, it was also a place of judgment, but there was water in the brazen laver. And water speaks of cleansing, right? So this is a place, once again, where we're judged guilty, but there's cleansing available to us through the water there. This all happened in the outer courts. Then you would move into a room that was called the holy place. Now the holy place was an enclosed tent. There was a roof on it. There was no outside light coming through. It was surrounded by a heavy veil and covered by a roof. So there was no outside light getting into this room. How was it lit then? Well, it was lit by something called the golden lampstand. Now, when we talk about gold in scripture, gold symbolizes divinity, okay? So bronze is judgment, gold is divinity. So when we get to the golden lampstand, what we see is, is this is divinity. And in it, there was, there was light, there was the, the candles burning there. It was fed by an internal source of oil. And, and the, the golden lampstand gave, gave light to the holy place. Now also in the holy place, there was, there was the altar of incense. The altar of incense would have been right up against the curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. It was the, it was the thing that was closest to the presence of God. The altar of incense was made of wood. In scripture, wood symbolizes humanity. It was made of wood, but it was covered or overlaid with gold, which gold symbolizes what? Divinity. What is it a picture of? You'll see this. You'll see this often. It's humanity covered in divinity. Aren't you glad that our humanity is covered by divinity when we, when we become believers in Jesus? So it's this altar and there's incense burning there 24 seven. Incense just constantly going up 24 seven. Also in that room, besides just the golden lampstand and the altar of incense, there was the table of showbread. The table of showbread was constructed of wood, which speaks of, say it one more time out loud, ready? All right. It was made of wood, but it was covered in gold, which speaks of? Divinity, man, you got, just turn around and give your, give your neighbor a, a, a thumbs up. Just tell them they're doing really good in their studies here this morning. Table of showbread, wood overlaid with gold. On the table, there was bread, there was wine. This was a place of communion. This was a place of fellowship. This was a place of the breaking of bread and connection and relationship. So the table of showbread was there. The golden lampstand was giving light. The altar of incense was filling the holy place with the fragrance of incense. And there was communion and fellowship on the table and around the table. And then finally, there was the most holy place. The most holy place is, it housed the, the Ark of the Covenant. How many of you would love to see the Ark of the Covenant one day? It's somewhere you ever watch The Curse of Oak Island? I just, I believe the Ark of the Covenant's in Nova Scotia. I just do. 
I gotta say this. I stayed away from that show for a long time because I don't watch shows about curses. But then it's really about archaeology and it's really a neat, a neat deal. And we Cajuns are from Nova Scotia anyway, right? And so it's gotta be, it's gotta be good. The Ark of the Covenant was there. The Ark of the Covenant um, was made of wood, which symbolizes, so the box of the Ark of the Covenant was made of wood. It was covered in gold, which speaks of divinity. So you have this box that was wood and gold. The covering, the top though, was made of solid gold. It's called the mercy seat. Man, I just love that. I mean, we think of God and his presence and holiness, but what you find there is mercy. Isn't that beautiful? But the, the whole thing though was covered in divinity. I mean, there's man in there somewhere. He's overlaid, but, but the covering over the entire thing, the covering over everything is divinity. It's God, it's his spirit. So this is what Old Testament worship looked like in the tabernacle. There was this progression, you know, altar of uh, the, the brazen altar, the, the brazen laver, uh, the golden lampstand, the altar of incense, the table of showbread, and finally, the Ark of the Covenant. Now let's look, if there was a progression in Old Testament worship, let's look at an application for us as we worship in the New Testament, in the New Covenant. What does any of this have to do with you and I? How many of you are interested? All right? So I just shouldn't just say amen right now and wrap up and we go home. What does this mean for us today? Okay. Well, there's a, there's a reason we worship the way we do, but let me just say this. Our worship ought to be progressive. When we, when we show up here, we ought to not come just to spectate. There's a movement in this thing. And, and it's for every one of us. So there ought to be a progression to this thing. So when we come to church, the first thing was the, it was the, 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 the brazen altar. Um, the brazen altar was a place of judgment and where, where they were found guilty. How many of you have a, a really good understanding of the fact that you are guilty? I believe one of the, one of the biggest challenges in the earth today is that we compare ourselves with our neighbors, or we compare ourselves with a convict, or we prepare, compare ourselves to somebody on the street. And because we compare ourselves with other humans, we deem that we're good people. But we can, when we compare ourselves to the holiness of God, every one of us are found guilty. It's a place where we acknowledge our guilt. And because there has, there was, there's guilt, there has to be a sacrifice. There has to be the shedding of blood. But thank God, it's not my blood that gets shed. It was the, the blood that Jesus shed for me is what I accept as the sacrifice and the payment for my guilt. Is that your condition as well? It's a place of, it's a place of judgment. It's a place of sacrifice. It's also a place of mercy because when we, understand our guilt and we understand the sacrifice has been been paid it's a place of mercy there was actually horns on the brazen altar and when Joab discovered that King David was trying to kill him guess what he did he grabbed hold of the horns of the altar because you find mercy there and so we too we find mercy in the fact that we're guilty but the sacrifice has been paid for us 
And so this really is a place, it's kind of the beginning of worship when we, when we understand this, that we're guilty, but we don't have to pay for our sins. It's a place of worship. The Bible says in Psalms 100, verse four and five, it says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. We ought to begin with worship and appreciation. This is why we sing these songs at the beginning of our worship service. Because it ought to start with praise. It ought to start with thanksgiving. As we acknowledge our need and we acknowledge what he has done for us. So it ought to begin there. But you know, there's a couple things we need to understand. First of all, when you acknowledged your guilt and when you acknowledged that a sacrifice had to be made, listen to this, you had to bring your own offering. Every person had to bring their own offering. The priest couldn't worship for you. It was incumbent on each person to bring their own offering. Church, it is time for us to stop looking at a worship team to worship for us. It is time for us as every individual believer who has been saved from our sin by the precious blood of Jesus to bring an offering of thankfulness and praise and worship to our God. It's time to raise the level. But if we don't understand our need and we don't understand what he's done, this thing is just, it's just something we do. I wanna be part of a church that worships. I wanna be a part of a, I mean that worships. I'm not just talking about making a bunch of noise. I'm talking, about a, I'm talking about a church that worships. It is not up to the full-time priest to worship for you. It was a time in Luke seven where this, Jesus was at some Pharisee's house and this woman came up and began to anoint his feet and, and worship at the feet of Jesus. And, and the people around the Pharisees, the religious people were saying, this is too far. They didn't understand her. They were religious. They didn't understand. And they confronted Jesus about it and Jesus told them a story about two debtors two people who were in debt and one owed a bunch and one owed a little, both were forgiven. He said, which one is more grateful for, his, for forgiveness? And they said, probably the one who owed the most money. And Jesus said, that's right. And he said of this woman, it's in Luke seven. He says, she was forgiven of much. So she loved much. Some of us in here, we don't understand what we've been forgiven of. And so we don't give much love. When we, listen, I don't want us just showing up going, isn't that band good? I mean, doesn't that band do a good job, sing good songs to us? That is not what we are here to do. As those who have been redeemed of the Lord, it is my time to bring an offering to my God, the one who has saved me, the one who redeemed me, the one who healed me, the one who purchased me. It's a personal thing. We're gonna be here all day if I spend that much time on each element. So there's a brazen altar after that though. So we begin our worship service with times for you to praise. Let's, let's just not spectate. Let's, let's be involved in this. Next was the brazen labor. 
We said that was made of bronze. It was a place of judgment, but it was also a place of cleansing because there was water there. Now, what we find in, if you look in the book of Ephesians where it's talking about the roles of a husband and wife in marriage, one of the roles that God gives to the husband, he says of husbands, we ought to wash our wives with the water of the word. He also tells us in Ephesians that marriage is not really about us. It's actually a picture of Jesus and the church. And in that, in, in that comparison, what we find with Jesus would be the groom and the church would be the bride. And so what Jesus does is he washes his church with the water of the word. See that? So the brazen labor is really about the cleansing power of the word. The reason we stand up here and have this part of the service where the word is preached to us, it's because the word is what cleanses us. The inside of the brazen laver, the inside walls of the bowl there were made from the mirrors that were collected from, from some of the people. I don't have time to tell you this story, but it was actually made of mirrors. So when you looked into the brazen altar, guess what you saw? You saw yourself. How many of you have ever looked into the word of God and you see yourself? Is it humbling? When we look into his word and we see our need, what do we have a need for? We have a need of cleansing. When I look into the word, I see my need for cleansing. I see that, that my thinking is messed up and I need to have my mind renewed. How is my mind renewed? It's renewed by the word of God. I see my dysfunction. How is my dysfunction changed? It's changed from the washing of the word. That's the purpose of this thing. So the word cleanses us this, this time, right now, what we're doing. God is using the word that I'm speaking to shape your lives and shape my life in the, as well. So that's the, the purpose of the word. But the word also, the word also corrects. The word rebukes. How many of you love that? Don't you just get love, love getting rebuked? The word instructs us in righteousness. So it's the word's job to transform us. Listen to me, church. May we never become people who conform the word of God to our image, but may we in submission under the authority of Jesus allow his word to conform us into God's image. I don't want to be condemning, but there are entire denominations right now bowing to the knee of cultural things and conforming the word to meet the, the needs of the culture. Church, that is not, that is not the right way to do it. The Bible tells us that in the end times, there will be people who will gather teachers to themselves to, to, to deal with the tickling ears. They want their ears tickled by the word of God. The purpose of the word of God is not to tickle your ears. It's to change us. And so may we have such a dedication to his word that our lives conform to it instead of us trying to conform it to our lives. It's the purpose of the word. So we begin our worship service with a time to give praise to God. Then we, we go to the word. We let the word wash over us. This all happened in the outer courts though. Next you would go into the, into the holy place. And in the holy place, there was the, uh, there was the golden lampstand. It was all gold. There was no wood in it. It was all gold and gold speaks of divinity. So th this just talks about, this is a special thing. 
and, and it gave light, it gave illumination. The, the golden lampstand is a picture of the illumination of the Holy Spirit that, that it, it, it brings revelation and enlightenment to everything we do as we worship God in the depths of who we are. It's an appreciation for the Holy Spirit. Again, there are people, there are denominations who don't wanna talk about the Holy Spirit. They don't wanna deal with the Holy Spirit. But church, if you wanna stay in the outer courts and just sing some songs and hear a good message, then you can stay out there. But if you wanna move toward the presence of God, you're gonna to have to go deeper into this thing, into the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our worship service so that he can bring illumination to the whole thing. There's the altar of incense in there. It's made of wood, it's covered in gold. The altar of incense is, is symbolic of prayer. That's the place of prayer. And, and you gotta imagine in this holy place, the, the light was given by the lampstand, but imagine what your sense of smell would experience in there. It's just an overwhelming sense of incense that has been burning, that burns constantly. And the entire room is filled with the fragrance of incense. It's talking about prayer. The Bible says that we ought to pray without ceasing. Our lives ought to be marked with const by constant communication with God as we're constantly talking to him, as we're hearing from him, dialoguing with God. We need to be people of prayer. And then in that room, there was the table of showbread. That's where communion was. That's where fellowship was. That's where there was the breaking of bread and the, and the connection. Listen, this is where God, it, the, the table of showbread was, was made of wood and covered in gold. So it's a picture of God and man in communion, in connection, in community, in fellowship. Our lives are meant to be lived, intertwined, doing life, breaking bread, sharing uh, communion with the Lord 24-7. But all of that fellowship at the table of showbread, it was, it was made possible by the illumination of the Holy Spirit and because of the presence of incense and the, the presence of prayer led to deep fellowship with God. Some of you say, I don't know where God is. I haven't felt God in so long. How's your prayer life? Have you been reaching for him? Are you cooperating with the work of the Holy Spirit in your life? Because all of those things facilitate connection and communion with God. And then finally, finally there was in, entrance into the most holy place. This is where the presence of God sat. Church, we ought to not come to church. We ought to not come to one of these worship services with the idea that I'm just gonna sit out in the, I'm just gonna stay in the outer courts. Just give me a few songs to sing along with. Give me a, a sermon that ends before the saints game starts. Let's just do this thing and get me out of here. No, 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 church, listen. It's so much deeper than that. When we come to worship, we, we come with praise and thanksgiving, our own individual offering that we bring. We let the word work. We let the word wash over us. We let the word confront us. We let the word rebuke us. But not only that, we move on in past, the, past those things. Move on into the holy place because I want connection with God. I want fellowship with God. We ought to come to church saying, if I miss God, listen, I can do without Jody, but I can't do without God.
moving into this holy thing, this desire to go deeper, to have fellowship with God. And that all happened under the illumination of the golden lampstand, remember? But let me draw your attention to something. In the book of Revelation, in chapters two and three, John is writing his messages to the, to the seven churches, remember that? And John had received a specific church, a specific message for the church in Ephesus. This is in Revelation two. And here was Jody's overview of what God said to the church in Ephesus. First of all, he appreciates him, says you're doing some things good, you're doing some things well, but he says, I've got one thing against you. He said, the one thing is you've left your first love. He said, you've left your first love. And he said, if you don't correct this, listen to this now, church, this was the consequence for leaving your first love. He said, I'm gonna take your lampstand away. I'm gonna take your lampstand away. What does that mean? is that it means your worship will be reduced to just going through the motions. Your worship is just reduced to showing up and jumping through some hoops and doing some things. May we not be a church that loses its lampstand. May we all always have, may we have a hunger for his presence, a hunger for the work of the Holy Spirit among us to breathe life into our worship. Can I hear an amen? He said, if you, if you want to correct this issue, here's the recipe for correcting it. So he said, you've lost your first love. If you don't, if you don't correct it, I'm going to take the lampstand. So here's his recipe for correcting it. First of all, he says, you need to remember. Well, what, is, what are we remembering? How many of you can look back in your life and say, I remember when I was passionate for the things of God. I remember when I read his word daily. I remember when I was a man or a woman of prayer. I remember when God encountered me in this way. I remember when God changed my life. But then you can notice all of a sudden that then life kicked in and we became distracted and we became chasing, we began chasing other things. And now we look and, and we can even look and go, I'm just, I'm doing this religious thing. I show up here and I do this thing, but there's no lampstand here. This is first you need to remember. Second, you need to repent means we need to go to God and say, God, listen, I'm sorry. I have let life distract me. I have let whatever distract me. I am not, and I'm, I'm trying not to, but I'm picturing faces, your faces, of people I know who, I mean, when, I, when, when we looked at you, you're just so passionate about the things of God. And you look at people now who are just going through the motions. Have we lost our lampstand church? Is the lampstand in your living room? He says, you need to repent. And the next thing he said was, you need to return. Return to your first works. Some of us need to dust off our Bible. We need to get those calluses back on our knees. Y'all are loving this. I can tell you're just about to shout me down. I mean, y'all barely containing yourself, amen? But if we're not careful, we'll lose the lampstand. And we just be one of those churches who just stays out in the outer courts. Just sing me some songs. Preach me a message. Let me out of here by noon, right? How many of you are determined to not be that? I'm just determined. And 
it was all moving though, all of this stuff, it was all moving toward the presence. It was all moving toward the presence. But I told you that the altar of incense was, was closest to the presence. The altar of incense was the thing that was closest to the Ark of the Covenant. And, and if you wanted to go into the actual presence of God, which the high priest did once a year, then before he entered the holy place or the, the most holy place, some, some incense from off of the altar of incense was put in a censer and the, ins, the censer, the bowl of incense went into the, the, the most holy place before he did. Incense proceeded him into the presence of God. I told you that, that incense is symbolic of prayer. If we want his presence, we're gonna to have to be people of prayer. Prayer is what's going to bring us into his presence. When we come together here at church, we sing our songs, we let the word work in us, but more than that, we move into the, the place where I want connection with God, I want fellowship with God, I want fellowship with others. Remember a table, the table of showbread, a table is, is where fellowship happens, it's where people gather. We should connect with each other deeply in, these, in our times of gatherings. That's why we kind of fuss at you people sometimes who, who show up five minutes late and leave five minutes early. You're missing, you're missing much of what God has for you. <laughs> you're like, no, I'm just fine with this, right? And so we're, we're, we, we should, it should just be more than attending a service. There should, we, we should be reaching for connection with each other. We should be reaching for fellowship, communion, connection with God, all under the illumination of the Holy Spirit in the presence of prayer. Because ultimately what we want to do is corporately together, we want to experience the presence of God, but prayer has to go before us. You'll never have presence without prayer. Which is why... We announced last week that here at Victory, we are going to begin 2024 with some nights of prayer. In the month of January, on every Monday night in the month of January, there's five Mondays in January, we are going to meet up here for, for nights of prayer. We're gonna pray as a church. Why are we doing this? Because here's what I felt of the Lord as we were having our, our staff week a couple of weeks ago and talking about vision for the future. Here's what I felt of the Lord. Much like God instructed Moses to build the tabernacle, they spent time building all these things, physical work, building something. At the very end of it in Exodus chapter 40, Moses set it all up he said, God, this is what you've told me to do. I've done everything that I can do in my own human ability. But now I present it to you. And at the presentation of the tabernacle, as Moses presented it to the Lord, what happened was God's presence filled the tabernacle. Humanity had done its part and now the presence of God moved into it. And what I feel for us as a church is that especially this year, we've been building I mean, we're physically building. There's a building going on right over there right now. But also, we've been leveling up. We've, we've been uh, building our teams because guess what? 
You are the living stones that God is going to build with. You are the material. So as we have been leveling up and, and putting, putting things in place, I mean, well, I saw new musicians and new singers up here this morning. It's like we've, we're putting the things, putting the living stones in place. We've done our part and what I feel like and 2023 has been a year of building, but 2024, may it be a year of presence. May it be a year where God fills what we have built, what we have built under his instruction and his anointing. And so we, we just want to go after the presence of God. But if we're going to do that, prayer has to precede presence. And so we're going to start the year off with prayer. Now, to just be real fleshly and carnal with you, the first Monday in January is New Year's Day. New Year's Day. Some of you will be waking up about noon, not feeling so well. That's, that's all we'll say about that. So, I mean, as we're laying out the schedule, you know, as the staff, as we're, we're talking about the schedule, we're looking at this going, oh man, it's a Monday. It's New Year's Eve or, you know, New Year's Day. And then listen to this, to top it all off, it's a college football championships. And we looked at that and said, uh-oh. I mean, college football championships. I mean, we'll... We'll miss some things, but not college football championships, right? And so all I know is that we felt of the Lord to do it. So on New Year's Day at Monday at six o'clock, I'll be here. And then we'll just see what happens from there, amen? It really was because as a staff, I mean, we, we understand you, we understand culture, we understand life. And we're like, people are busy. Can all the busy people in the house let me know you're here? Are you busy? I have yet to, to meet the person who's like, I'm just so bored. I'm just looking for things to do with my life. We're busy and if we're not busy, we manufacture busyness, right? So we're all busy and I'm not here to shame anybody. I just want to say at some point we need to get our priorities right. And especially, especially if you're a person who recognizes that you're like the church in Ephesus, I've lost my first love. I got to get back to this thing. I got to get that passion back in me for the things of God. I need to quit just, I don't want to just come to church and jump through hoops. I want his presence in my life. I believe God's calling us to a new depth and and so in 2024, we're gonna be, and I don't know what that means, please. I don't have any preconceived ideas of what it means to have his presence here. All I know is I'm open to the presence of God working in our church. And I, don't, I just don't wanna settle for doing the, the outer courts thing. How many of you would say, I'm, I'm just, I don't, I don't wanna settle for that. I, don't, I just don't wanna stay out there. 